This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. Anna and Chris <laughs> just looks like like one of the dudes from No, no, it, it looks like David Crosby. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Face. Have you been on Campfire yet? Uh, a little bit. I uh... See the face mash? The face? Face mash? The, the face switch? Oh, you don't hang out in the everyone room. You should go I, in the everyone room. I'm, I'm in there. It's just I never really have that tab open. You Hold should, on. You should go in the everyone room because there's a website that lets you do face swapping. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's. So, hang on. oh my god, <laughs> I just found the one of goose. Oh, is there one of goose? Oh man, at seven thirty-eight a.m. That is nightmare fuel. Yeah, I saved almost all these. Show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I saved almost all these into a uh, Theo and Devin. Holy shit! Theo and Devin is bad. Anna and Chris just looks like. Like one of the dudes from – no, no. It, it looks like David Crosby. <laughs> Not one of the dudes. Just David Crosby. Oh. Do you see Rita and Adarsh? Ridarsh. And then, and then the first one was Prem and Gabe. I just call it Prabe. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. So this is basically all I'm going to do today is just <laughs> – Horrors directory. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I created horrors directory in Dropbox, and I'm just saving them. You never know, man. You never know when you're going to need these things. This is. It's too early for me to be seeing these kinds of things. Uh, so good. It started because Jesse created a mashup of Joel and Jesse. For they were pairing on something, and so she registered it. <laughs> she registered it to the email address that she used for pairing in GitHub, so that it would show up as the avatar for that commit. That's amazing. <laughs> that should just be a standard operating procedure from that's, here on out. That's what I'm doing from now on. Is I'm re- I'm just I'm going to bookmark this website, and I'm just doing face swaps <laughs> anytime I pair with anybody. <laughs> I may have to retroactively go back and add avatars for all the commits. Well, yeah, you can just change the gravatar for that email address. And right. <laughs> right. Done. Uh, so programming, right. I'm I guess. awake. <laughs> you know, that helped. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I just realized that the the uh the title for the title for the everyone room right now is the Isle of Dr. Gordo. I think that's the first time I've ever seen the topic of everyone not be a year-old campfire quote for everyone. Right. Just because it's just taken over. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay.
Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've got Radarsh is staring at me. <laughs> I, <got it. laughs> I had to close it. Can't deal. Uh, okay. Um, Talking about form bindings today, I can't be looking at these things. Yeah. I should pull those up. Or at least the gist that I posted. You like how I segued there? Yeah, that was good. Saw the opportunity and then jumped at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so form bindings. Um, this is just something that I've been working on, like, off and on for the past few weeks. Um, like, we just have this one, like, user form manager, basically, in my client's project. And I wanted to refactor it because it was kind of big and hard to um, update. There were a couple things that we wanted to change that were just difficult to change because of the the way it was structured. So I kind of started this big this big refactor of it a while back that's been kind of taking longer than it probably should have, but it's been interrupted a lot, so I keep having to jump back into this thing. Um, so have you dealt with – how have you typically dealt with um, doing like form-based – views right like i have a like a profile view and i want to update my user info based on that form ui table view cell subclasses with form type elements in them typically with a block as a callback that the value changed so the cell is like the delegate of the text field for instance and then when that gets fired it will perform a block that's been set on it maybe in the case of text field just with a string here's the new text or Technically, should probably be handing the text field back to be similar to how delegates work. But yeah, that's the basic idea. And you know, manually building the table view and responding to those events. I think going into this, have you ever done anything with like actual bindings, like on OS ten? Just very, very basic stuff, like working through the old uh, Aaron Hillegas Mac OS ten programming. Like they walk you through some bindings. And that's about it. Yeah. I I, I, ha- I haven't used them too extensively, but every time I have used them, I've been, like, just kind of blown away at how magic those things are, you know? So, like, if you're not familiar with on OS ten, you can actually do bindings. So, like, in Interface Builder, you can assign um, – I think it's a key value path, right? It's not even just, like, an attribute key. It's like a – like, you can assign an actual p- a key value path to an element and bind it to an object, Yes, I believe that's the case. And so then when you update, like change the text in a field or increment a counter or something like that, it you don't have to write any of that callback code. You don't have to write any of that stuff. It just says, yeah, whatever value is in this field, bind that to this value on this object, which is nice. And it, and it, and it, and it kind of it really does reduce the amount of code that you have to write yourself. I think people have problems with them because there, there is so much magic involved. Yeah. I'll bet. <clears throat> I, I imagine that when things don't work properly, it's way more difficult to figure out why. Right. I could be off base here. Maybe it's no, 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 super no, helpful. No, no, I mean, no, it's like, it's like kind of everything in interface builder that is trying to do more than just layout in interface you know what i mean like anytime anytime i've done anything in interface builder including like bindings or i don't know what else but anytime i've done anything in interface builder where um it's more than just laying out an interface 
I always feel like there's that risk of something not performing exactly the way I expect and that debugging that is going to be made more difficult because I've hidden that behavior away in Interface Builder. Right. The structure that I kind of like landed on with this um, that kind of stemmed from a conversation that we had had earlier, this was like weeks and weeks ago, talking about this. This is a structure that I kind of like landed on with this form binding stuff that I'm I've been really happy with is um, like you had you had said something in one of our conversations you had said something about um, modeling the concept of an actual binding between the field and an attribute key, right? <clears throat> so what I what I kind of came up with is this. Um, like a form binding class and it's it's a super class the super class is just a normal form binding and it it, it exists essentially to provide a consistent user interface uh, consistent api interface for the objects and to construct like concrete subclasses so it's kind of a class cluster but it has a concrete super class instead of like it's more like UI button than like NSRA, I think, you know. So so you can use just the the top level form binding class on its own. You could. It doesn't have any behavior itself. Um the form the the super class itself, all it does is the only behavior it has built in is creating subclasses. So I have like a like a form binding with type method, right? And then I have an enumerated uh, I have an enum with all the available form binding types. And all it does is a switch statement inside that constructor method that hands back the specific subclass that you requested. Mm-hmm. So all the behavior is actually in these subclasses. It's not, it, there's no behavior in the superclass. That's not to say you couldn't add some like default form binding wide behavior into the superclass. But it's not there by default. It really is there specifically to provide a consistent user interface. Or API. Got it. Yeah, API. Yeah. So it has, like, that's where the properties are defined. And it has one, like, method defined that's available across all the subclasses. But even that method implemented in the superclass is just just an assertion that fails and says you need to define this in your subclass. You shouldn't be using it directly. Okay. So so it's not so much like a class cluster or a facade like UI button. It really is just like as abstract as you can get with Objective-C. Like given that we can't have real abstract classes because you can instantiate anything. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. It probably could have been just a protocol, but I wanted the constructor stuff and I didn't want to have to put the structure stuff in somewhere else. Got it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. So the basic way these form bindings, the the way I've kind of structured the form bindings that I'm really liking is that, so right now I have, it's like one of those things I've been thinking about and, and I'm just like walking down the street. I'm like, oh man, it'd be super easy to add that kind of form binding to this in like two seconds. But so the way I've implemented it is that each, so, so there's the form binding and then each, and then the form binding, there's a form binding delegate. And then there's the concrete subclasses, right? So there's like a text field subclass, a date field subclass, and a multiple choice field subclass. Those are the only three that I implemented right now because those are the only three I've needed so far in the client project. But 
it, it's it would be incredibly easy just to expand this to everything. But so what the bindings are concerned with, the bindings hold on to an attribute key, which I'm going to turn into a key path, like in the next iteration. I just got to finish this up, and then I I already it's the other feature that I have to add is going to force me to add key paths to this anyway. But so so essentially, it's going to be a, a attribute key path. Um, it has a delegate and it has a form element that right now is a UI text field, but will eventually be just essentially any probably UI view. I think I, I was just thinking it could be, um, you could say that anything that's text-based could be a UI view that conforms to UI text input. So that way you could shove a text view in there too. And it, it, it wouldn't care text field, text view, I guess when it, when it came to handling, like the delegates or callbacks for each of those elements, then it would have to be, you have to have some branching logic in there, I guess. Yeah, probably inside the, yeah. Yeah, there would probably have to be some branching logic somewhere inside the subclass. Is there some kind of consistent notification that conforming objects emit? Uh, I'm not going to do this on the show, but I thought there might be some consistent way for like all these conforming objects to communicate that their text has changed. I'm not sure. I know that there is the UI text field. What's that notification actually called? Editing change notification or something? U, yeah, UI text field did end editing notification. So I guess it, it, I'll, get in, I'll get into that. Does it do notifications for every control event? Most of them, yeah. Cool. Okay. Carry on. But so, that's, so that just provides – so the form binding just provides that, that API, right? And it hands back – these subclasses so like the text field subclass for example is super easy all it does is when you set the form element on the text field subclass or the text field form binding it registers for notifications for the did end editing notification on that text coming from that text field and then when that text field ends editing it notifies the delegate with the there's a delegate method form element did update value and then it just passes the value for attribute key and then passes back its attribute key. So the concept is that the binding all the binding cares about is it knows about it holds on to an attribute key and it knows how to deal with information data going into and out of these form elements. Right? So it knows when the text field did end editing and it knows how to put the data back into that text field if it needs to do that. Right. So it, so let's say you're, you have some field bound to like a user's username property yeah. and then some other part of the system changes the username property. Maybe they changed it on the web and you've refreshed. So then you could take that new value and just insert it right into the field right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a pu- the public. There's a public method on all the bindings called update element value, right? And so each subclass, each form binding subclass, knows what it needs to do. For the text field one, it's literally self dot form element dot text equals value, right? right. Super easy. Yeah. But like, I also have that date field formatting or date field form binding thing, right? So the date field form binding, it can't just set the date. Like the birthday, right? You have a date, NS date, that's your birthday. It can't just set that NS date to that 
text field that won't work. So it knows how to transform that date into the proper, you know, uh, string version and also how to, um, it has a UI date picker as its input view on that text field. So it knows to update. So it's holding on to UI date picker. It updates the date value for the date picker and the text value in the text field. Yeah, that's great. Can you, can you supply your own date formatter? Yeah, probably. Right now it's private, but that's mainly just be, it's mainly private just because like this is a, it hasn't been abstracted, you know what I mean? So there's no need for us to change the f- date formatter because because we're, we're we're only we only need one date formatter in the client's implementation, right? You know, yeah, it's consistent. But yeah, like it, it would be super easy just to open up the date formatter property and even the date picker property and do like a lazy initialization thing where um, you know it'll create those if you don't give it to them, but you can override them with your own. That would be super easy. Yeah. The only thing is then you'd have to cast the f- the binding when it comes back from the superclasses constructor method, but that's not super horrible. Or I guess you could you could actually just create any of these. Oh, I, I, I see what you're saying. So in the in the factory method on the superclass, it just gives back a, a form binding. Correct. But there's but there's actually nothing to keep you from just instantiating these things directly. Literally, all they do is it just uses a switch statement and just does a lock init on on the the specific subclass. Okay. So so you could create one of these subclasses manually without the constructor method. You just have to do a little bit more setup. Right. But not much. The only other, then the other one that I have is the multiple choice, and that's the kind of weird one, right? Where now I, I actually, in this implementation, just because I couldn't figure out a better way to do it that I liked, I actually added the. So the the only thing that the multiple choice needs that the other two don't need is uh, possible options, right? So like if I had the options foobar baz. I need to be able to supply that those options to the multiple choice binding somehow so that it can populate the UI picker. So it the the multiple choice binding controls a UI picker, has itself set as the delegate and the data source for that UI picker. So and then it's just populating the picker with the contents of the options array. So all the data source methods are like, you know, self.options.count for the number of rows in the component and self. self.options bracket row for title for row in component. But so the only weird thing about this, the way that I have it set up is that that means that options is actually available for all, like as a property is available for all the form bindings uh, because it's declared on the actual form binding object, not on the, not just on the multiple choice subclass and it's just kind of ignored by the other two so it's not horrible like it's a no op you know right you can set options on the date and it's just not going to do anything um and that seemed like an easy enough thing to add to documentation just to say like set the options if you're using multiple choice field it's a no op if you're not yeah i I think I probably probably would have just done it on the multiple choice subclass, just like we were talking about the date formatter, and then not going through the constructor. Yeah, because at the 
at this point, once you have to configure them individually, you might as well just make them yourself and not even go through that factory. If it's, if it's not adding anything else and just creating it for you, I think it might simplify things. Yeah, maybe. So those are the bindings. So those are the bindings. Representing a connection between a model object and a view object, essentially. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, there's, there's some added logic in there in that, in that the bindings know input information, for example. You know what I mean? So, like, the date, the date binding knows to use a date picker. The multiple choice binding knows to use a UI picker. But I think that's, I think that's a reasonable thing to add on to those. You know, I, I feel like that's inside that kind of wheelhouse of what these things should be responsible for. After I've created a binding, what do I do with these, this binding object now? We have like a user form manager, right? Which is where the, it's the object that all this kind of like was abstracted from. It has basically just a public-facing add form binding method on it. And it just takes a form binding and it sets itself as the delegate and it adds that binding to an internal array of bindings and that's literally just for memory management purposes you know what i mean because i need to make sure that that binding lives longer than right two seconds and then it tells so the the user form manager knows and it's not even actually tied to user at this point which is kind of great um really all it knows about is an object right so the user form manager knows about it knows about a model object it has some bindings it knows about and it's a form binding delegate and it has one public facing method called add form binding when you add a form binding it sets the bindings delegate to self it adds the object to the internal array of bindings and it tells the binding to update it calls update element value and then gets value for key from the model that it knows about and pulls the key from the binding. So it literally says binding update element value bracket self.user value for key binding dot attribute key. So it's getting the key back from the binding and pass getting the value from user based on that key, which again will be, it'll be a key path like next week, you know? Yeah. Cause it, but it's just like, I, I don't want to, you know, this is fine right now. I'm going to have to make it a key path anyway, so I'll just wait. And that's all it does. And then, then the bindings and the view actually end up taking care of everything else. And then eventually you get a delegate callback, form element did update value, right? All the different bindings know when to call this. Picker view will tell it, will do it based on its delegate method of like did select row in component. The UI picker... The UI date picker is actually using a con- uh, a notification for a control v- or a control event for the UI control event value changed. It's calling a, a method called date picker changed. Probably not needed to do it that way. We could probably just do it through delegate, but this is kind of the way it was implemented before, so I left it. Mm-hmm. But so since the bindings know how to tell when the value is changed. Then they call back, they call that delegate method, form element did update value for attribute key. And then the implementation of that is literally self.user set value value for key key, right? Yeah. Just hand back the value and the key, just set those values and keys on the user. That's awesome. It ends up being that the entire thing here is actually 
46 lines for the user manager, and that's including some specific implementation-specific stuff, right? Like I constantized the keys for the different values on user and added those to user form manager, and then it has a, a kind of a conditional for getting self. Uh, it has an overridden getter for self.user based on some other stuff. Do you think those constants belong on the manager or should user just have some external constants for its property keys if they're like observable yeah i could go either way honestly i I put them here mainly because of the way this project is laid out right so this is actually a a framework that i'm working on and it's the user object is coming from another framework so like i control both of them but Adding these keys to user means making them available inside a different SDK. So maybe I could, I could probably add them to a category on user. But right now it kind of made sense that this is the only place we're interacting with user this way. So it kind of made sense to put the keys on the form manager like this. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't realize we were working across frameworks here. Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated setup. And it, and it leads to us having to make decisions like this that would probably not, you know, it's like I have a user object, I should use it. But updating the user object here means more than just, it means stuff at a public API level. You know what I mean? It's a public SDK. So Yeah. What's well, kind of forcing you into better designs? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's been doing that pretty consistently. You know what I mean? Like I have to think a lot more about, what I put in that framework versus this framework, you know, the UI level framework versus the business logic framework, like making that split becomes a more important thing to have to think about. Yeah. Are you ready to open source this? Uh, I, I think, I think it could definitely be some, I mean, it have to be generalized a bit, uh, but I think it's a, if nothing else, I think it's a really nice pattern. And like I said, I think it's something that is, infinitely expandable like i was thinking on the way down like on the i was walking to the bus today and i was like man like you could make ui image picker form binding like super easy and just pass it in like a ui image view right and so now the ui image view adds a gesture it adds a gesture recognizer and like deals with all of the you know ui image picker Mm -hmm whatever nonsense how how does that part work if you were gonna if your binding object was going to present a like an image picker view view controller yeah how do you how do you present that like where what view controller do you present it from right right now i'm punting (laughs) i'm just not (laughs) okay i switched i switched the implementation the 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 multiple choice was a um ui action sheet and so it had buttons for each possible option and i ran into exactly that like the way it was is that the form manager knew about the view like you had to set a view object on the form manager and then i had to add another delegate method to the form binding delegate to say present present you know present sheet or some, I don't even remember what I called it. And then it would pass, it would create the action sheet, then pass that back. And then the 
but it the form you see what i'm saying yeah, it's just I'm like making a face i yeah <laughs> i was just like gross. writing it and just like grimacing the whole time like ah no god <laughs> it's like feeling really bad about myself um <laughs> and so i was like i was like ah you know what i'm just gonna turn it into a ui picker and just not have to think about this crap <laughs> so um, it'd be great if we could sort that out because when you were talking about multiple choice, I thought it would another option would be to present a table view controller that just has like check mark cells. You know, if there's like a ton of options. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I'd have to do some. I mean, that would have. I'm all of a sudden thinking about naming because whatever. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be a, another cool thing. But yeah, I'm not sure how to. Bridging that, getting back up to the freaking view controller, man, drives me nuts. That's one of the, I mean, it's not to, I don't, not jumping topics, but like, that's what was driving me crazy about the UI action sheet stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, why the hell can't UI action sheet, if UI action sheet just acted like UI alert view, it would have been no freaking problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it was just a UI action sheet show, then. Yeah, I wonder why. It wouldn't have been a big deal. I wonder why it doesn't. Like, alert views just get added as a new window. And and action sheets behave similarly. Like, you never want anything to come up over an action sheet. Right. So why not just treat it like a window, too? Right. This is where I file a radar. They, they will never change that <laughs> because of backward compatibility, I think. No, but they could they could keep the old API and just add, a sh- like, a show method. When, you know? But when have they ever done that? Like, moved, like, a new API and kept the old API... I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because iOS is young. Like maybe we're finally getting to a point where they're like ready to r- drastically change some API. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are you going to get Sherlock now? I- iOS eight going to have bindings? I hope so. I, I I people get up in arms about getting Sherlocked when it's a product. I get it. Yeah. Right. Like when it's a product. When it's a product, I get. I understand like getting up in arms about like I'm making my living off this thing and this flashlight app. I'm making my living off this flashlight app and freaking Apple just added a flashlight button to control center. It's like shit. (laughs) But when, when I'm releasing an open source thing to fill a hole, you know what I mean? Or to make something nicer. And if Apple comes out and makes that same thing or makes a nicer version of that same thing or makes a close enough approximation of that thing that I'm building, cool. That's what, I don't have to support that anymore. I can just be like, hey, you know, this. we had a good run here, but uh, <laughs> it'd probably be good to, you know, yeah, move to this official thing, you know? Yeah, like all the, like all the JSON parsing libraries that, were popular for so long right and most of those most of the maintainers of those are like like no cool like d- go ahead and use the you know json serialization stuff you know yeah i mean like matt thompson went through that with ttt attributed label almost went through it with af networking and that kind of stuff you know what i mean like like ttt attributed label had to do all that cortex stuff to get attributed strings and ui labels and and I used it, and then iOS six came out, and it was kind of like, I don't know, attributed string values. <laughs> like I don't care. Yeah, no point. So no, I, I honestly, I'm not. I can't see them adding. I can't see them adding actual bindings to iOS seven. I really can't. I, I think that they're cool in concept, but that there's too much. There's too much magic and 
I don't know that they're completely trusted on the OS 10 platform. Maybe I'm wrong. I think this is also the problem that like reactive cocoa is trying to solve right in a lot of places, right? Yeah. It's like binding binding object, you know, like reactive stuff, right? Like I change this thing, therefore do this thing, you know. Yeah, that's more about putting a layer on top of getting notified of changes, right? It's because it's not like a direct binding. It's more like, oh, I'm about to change. Here's this signal. Do something with me. But I, React, I, I get what you're saying. Reactive cocoa. Yeah. yeah, but I think that this is one of the you know kind of things that they've like that the reactive cocoa people have tried to push as like a not tried to. I mean, successfully. I think it's an interesting product. But they've tried to use as like a use case for this kind of stuff you know what i mean is like i have a text field i need to know when the text field changes so that i can update the value in this form and i don't want to implement a delegate method on all the text fields inside my view controller like and then do a uh you know huge conditional is this the birthday text field if so you know change this value is this the first name text field if so change this value you know you don't want to do that and I've written those delegate methods, you know what I mean? And they suck. So this is just kind of this, you know, the form binding stuff that I've been doing. And I think the reactive cocoa stuff is a way of the important part is creating that one-to-one relationship. You know what I mean? Somehow telling the overall system that this field deals with this value, you know, you could combine this with some of your abstracted table view data source and delegate stuff and practically have like a form view controller library. Yeah. And then you'd have a place to present other view controllers from. Like if you packaged it all up under some like form view controller and then you just tell it like I want this field and this type of field and this type of field. Populate set up sets up your bindings. Done. I suppose you could probably end up just posting a notification attaching you know like a view controller or something to yeah, that was kind of my thought, or that the view controller would listen for notifications from the bindings that it, yeah, it, it, it wants this type of selection thing, and then, yeah, that could work. I feel like there'd be a lot of notification registration inside your view controller then for every binding. I mean, even in this, like, we have, and this is an incredibly complicated uh, one, two, three, there's six bindings here on this form. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of like a basic birthday, gender, email, first name, last name, password. Right. You know, you can easily get beyond six. And six, six, you know, uh, NS notification center ad observer calls takes up like a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of typing, true, you know? True, true. I just had the wild thought that you could also do um, validation. I don't know how that would work right off the top of my head. But I assume you, you would just register some kind of validation with each binding. And then when the value changes, it will decide whether it actually calls that delegate or it calls some new delegate method that says this thing failed validation. It's not right. It's not long enough. It's too long. Yeah, you could just, yeah, like they could hold on to a like an actual validation object, right? Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be cool. Like, and you could do stuff like having an email validator that you pass in and you attach to the email form binding and it does all, it knows that stupid, crazy John Gruber regex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You, you can have some just like standard ones out of the box that work 
Like this is for email addresses. This is for phone numbers. Okay, I, I now demand that you put this in a repo because I want to start building <laughs> on it. I just got excited. Yeah. Well, it's been fun to work on. And, and it's like w- one of these things that like I have been test driving it. You know what I mean? As I've been, as I've been doing it, I've been test driving it with Kiwi. And, and I've just been super happy at the way the te- test driving these things has been working because they're, they, because they're all at the model level. And there's no view controllers involved, and I just haven't had to deal with the view controller stuff. It's just been so nice to write write the test first, and then just you know, at this, this it it was TDD at the simplest level. You know, what I mean, no crazy hacks to get around anything. No kind of dirty feelings opening things up for the sake of opening things up. Like I I ended up opening up things like the bindings array, the user form manager, but. At, but when I found myself wanting to test that the reason I opened up the bindings array is because the tests that I wrote that I've gotten so into the, the kind of lazy initialization pattern. I've done this like twice in the past six weeks and like, I've never felt like more of a bonehead than when I realized that I did this, but like I was getting bad access errors when I was running the integration test suite, I was getting bad access errors based on like one of the delegate callbacks to the form binding, like the form binding had been released. I was like, what the hell I'm adding these form bindings to this bindings array. Like I can see that line. There's the line right there. I'm adding them to the bindings array, but like I never implemented the getter lazy initialization getter for the, for the binding. So I was just adding them to nil. It was like, cool dude here. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it was kind of like, you know, like a head slapping moment. And then, you know, it's like, ah, crap, right the getter. And then it all worked. But, but I, I was like, okay, well I should probably test that. You know I mean? That that's, that's a bug. Like the bindings array didn't exist. Right. So I can test that by just opening up, you know, making the bindings array public and just making sure that the bindings array includes this binding when I call this thing. Are you satisfied with exposing the bindings array like that? I don't see a problem with it. I can see legitimate reasons why, or I can see it being a legitimate use case to want to get to that bindings. I was all right. Sure. I, I agree. Um, I was just wondering if it would be better to provide a method that accesses that array for you. You can just say binding for key. I guess that doesn't really get you anything or I, I see. Another way I could, like, just a thought I had, just talking out loud, but another kind of a different implementation of this would be to get, take the binding, the attribute key out of the binding itself and instead use, like, an NS map table or uh, even just a dictionary and store it, you know, attribute key is the key and then the binding is the value. And so then when the delegate method no, no, it'd want to be a map. See, it'd want to be a map table. You use the binding as the key and the attribute key as the value. And then on the delegate callback, you could say it would pass the binding itself back and the text value. And then you would get the attribute key from there. But see, that's weird. Yeah. I, I think the way it is now makes sense. I do too. Yeah. It's, well, I, I assume at the very least that that bindings array is read only. Uh, no, it, it, it probably should be. But Okay. It definitely should be, yeah. Because otherwise, it's not going to have the delegate stuff, right? Because the only way to add a binding is through that method. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, that's the the way you should be doing it because it has to do all the delegate stuff, exactly, and the update form value stuff, right? Because if if you were to mutate that 
that bindings array in some way, you would it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Got it. Well, yeah, it would work in that the binding would live on and would do its thing, but it wouldn't have delegate set. So Right. So essentially the binding is useless because it would never come back and update the value on the model. Unless you did essentially the same thing inside that the same stuff that's inside the ad, you know, if you did that externally. So if you set the delegate, you know, yeah. yourself. Right, right. You know. Extending this is going to be super easy because we have, like, we have another case where we need to have essentially checkboxes. You know what I mean? That that hook into, like, custom user attributes, a custom user attributes mutable dictionary on on the user. You know, and so you just want to be able to register. Like, did they click this button? You know, it's all Boolean values, right? And so now, it's funny. I actually have a pull request open that adds that into the user form manager, and I've essentially closed that pull request because I I wrote that, and then I started writing this, and I was kind of like, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> we and it's like ready to merge. You know what I mean? Like, I got the thumbs up on it, and I was just kind of like. I'm actually going to hold off and just redo it because it's going to be simpler to do it in this new thing and cleaner. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take some changes like moving stuff to key value paths instead of just keys and figuring out. Because right now the form element is cast as a text field, right? So I need to figure out a better. It may just end up being ID, honestly, and then casting it inside the form specific, the specific bindings right. may be the best way to do yeah. it. Because on this checkbox thing, it's going to end up being a button, you know what I mean? And it's going to need to change whether it's selected or not. So even doing something like, not, I can't guarantee a common public interface among all possible form elements. But what's nice is that that, that, that logic is then inside the binding itself, right? Like I know where to find the logic for that specific form type. Do, do you think it's even necessary to have the, the form binding that they all inherit from? Could that just be a protocol? Well, that's what I was saying before. The reason I did that was to provide the properties and to provide the consistent API. Cause you can't declare properties in a protocol. Can you? Yeah, you can. You can't? Yeah. Oh, what am I doing? So then the only thing that I couldn't do is the constructor methods, which are nice for two out of the possible three right now, and it are going to be nice for three out of the possible four. The only one that needs to have any additional configuration, because I have two methods, actually. There's like a form binding with type, and then I have a form binding with type form element attribute key. So that I just create the whole thing in one go. So like creating a basic binding between like even the birthday and a text field is as easy as form binding with type, um, form binding type date field, form element, pass in the text field, attribute key, pass in the constantized birthday key. And that's all I have to do. And I actually do that in line inside the user form manager add binding method call okay so like i never had to create i never create local variables for these the only one i create a local variable for is the multiple choice because i need to pass in an additional options array got it 
And that seems like a, a decent trade-off to me. Yeah. Just like only having to know about one only having to know about one class. Like I don't actually care if it's a text field form binding or if it's a date field form binding or it's a multiple choice field form binding. I really don't. All I care about at the view controller level, all I care about is I'm creating a form binding and I'm handing it to the user form manager. All the user form manager cares about is that it has a binding and that it's going to get this delegate callback. The only thing that cares about what kind of a form binding it is is the form binding itself. So like if I did a protocol, then the view controller would have to know. I mean, I guess it kind of does need to know what type it is at the view controller level, but I'm passing it in as an enum instead of as a class. I could do basically the same thing just by having class methods, a class method or a instance method, a custom init method for init with form element attribute key on the form bindings. Sorry, on the form bindings themselves. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And then, and then instead of using an enumerated possible form binding type, I would just call that specific subclass. Maybe that's better because then I can move stuff into the specific, I can add things to those interfaces as needed without having to cast yeah or without having to have no op things like this options array right date formatters Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah maybe then you could even have a subtype that accepts uh well i was gonna say a view controller to present stuff from but i hate passing that stuff that way yeah it's it's really weird i mean that's the same problem we talked about in our when we were talking about table view data source stuff is like when you, you know the second you move everything out and you have to set the table view property on a data source or a delegate it's like or the view controller you have to pass the view control I yeah it gets messy it's a good design you got here but I mean, we could nitpick it all day trying to make it perfect yeah all right wrap it up yeah show notes for this episode, including pictures of our coworkers morphed with other of our coworkers, <laughs> will be will be at uh, thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash twelve. And as always, we want to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or get in touch on app.net or Twitter, just at buildphase. This episode was produced by Chad Pytel, recorded and edited by Mike Manor.